Welcome to the Sober by Design podcast, where we explore the many pathways to recovery and a better life through conversations with a wide array of guests. Whether you're sober curious, in recovery, or simply looking to improve your mental health and well-being, this podcast will have something for you. Each week, we sit down with inspiring guests from all walks of life who share their personal stories of struggle and triumph, offering valuable insights and practical advice on how to design a life worth living. From addiction and mental health to spirituality and creativity, we cover a wide range of topics that are relevant to anyone seeking to live a more fulfilling and authentic life. So join us on this journey of discovery, growth, and transformation, and start designing a new life. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sober by Design podcast. It's been a couple weeks since we've had an episode release. I had a couple cancellations, uh, and then I had to cancel an episode due to baseball with my youngest son, and I just felt like it's important to get something out there. I don't know who's listening, but if somebody is listening and using this as a tool, I think it's important for me to keep some sort of cadence on these releases, and I didn't want to go that long without releasing anything and have somebody just drop off as a listener. Um, this to me is a tool that I'm using to help myself learn, but I also, you know, hope it's a tool for listeners to, you know, figure out a way in their recovery. And maybe there's somebody listening to this that isn't sure if they have a problem and, you know, they hear an episode and that's the light that goes off and they find recovery through this podcast. Um, again, if I can help one person, I think that that's an amazing feat and something that I take seriously after, you know, 10 years of recovery, 10 plus years of recovery. Um, so today we're just going to talk through a couple things. It's probably not going to be the longest episode. I can't imagine that I can go an hour again just on my own, but who knows? So today first, well, I'll just kind of go over what I'm thinking about talking about. I'm, um, I want to dive a little into harm reduction, a little into community, a little bit into curiosity. And then, uh, you know, my things to listen to and watch, which I always find important in my uh, delivery of these podcasts. I, you know, stand by the the thing of, you know, recovery is supposed to be fun. And for me, a lot of my enjoyment in life comes from, you know, media, good media, music, movies, books, television, and uh, sharing that with my family, my friends, and now my listeners. So we'll start off with a little bit of harm reduction. Um, this is something that came out of, uh, you know, a group of people that I work with on a part-time basis, and we have a monthly call to support each other, and we talked a little bit about harm reduction. We were talking just in general about maybe challenges or things that we saw you know, that, that make us think as recovery coaches, what is different than you expected? And for a lot of us, we, we came up with some issues and, you know, for me, um, my recovery came pretty, I don't want to say easy, but I didn't have hurdles in my way. So for me, one of my challenges that I, I see is like, not everybody has the same abilities to, to utilize all the tools that, that I had at my disposal, right? I was able to drive to to meetings. Um, that isn't the case for everybody. Um, I also had a good support system. <clears throat> Not always the case for everybody. You know, if, if you don't have those two things, this becomes a really hard 
battle. Um, you're doing it on your own. You're trying to find rides to meetings. You're doing all these things, you know, sort of in a bubble. Um, you know, right now, I'd say we're at a unique point in time. Something that did come out of the, the pandemic was that you can now easily find online meetings for just about any type of recovery group that you want to join, be it AA, NA, Al-Anon, SMART, uh, Noble Steps, or Refuge, you probably can find an online meeting just about any day, any time. <clears throat> that wasn't the case when I got sober 10 years ago. Um, I had to drive to my meetings, and I was lucky enough to have not lost my license and was able to do that. Um, but now, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, it's there online. So let's remember that if you're out there listening and you think I can't get to a meeting, I can't make a meeting, you have that ability. So for me, that was my challenge. But it also came up in our in our discussion, harm reduction. And, um, you know, harm reduction is something that I, I think, you know, in certain groups, people might look at it as, you know, you're not doing the work, right? So, you know, I'll just say an old time AA person, um, if you go in there and you start talking about harm reduction, they're going to say, well, you're not, you're not part of this group. You're not, you're not doing recovery, right? You're not actually just abstaining from your, uh, mind altering substances, but harm reduction for some people can look like a huge step forward. And I never really thought about it. So, you know, some things that, you know, as they relate to alcohol, you know, harm reductions, you know, a a hard one. Um, But, you know, they could be little things. Um, Let's say you're a heavy drinker right now. And, you know, part of your issue is that you're going out every night and you are drinking hard at a bar. And, you know, at the end of the night, you're jumping in the car. Harm reduction for you could look like making sure that you have an Uber account, that you have a designated driver, right? That is reducing your harm. Um, You know, that is, drinking and driving is so dangerous. I mean, one could argue that texting and driving is more dangerous right now, and we have more instances of those crashes. But, you know, for you, the drinker, driving while under the influence is a huge problem. And if it's something that you're doing all the time, harm reduction for you could look like setting that system up, right? And somebody from the outside might look at that and say, well, you're still drinking. Yes, you are, but you've also reduced your harm and your ability to hurt yourself or others immensely by taking that step, right? So that's a first step. You know, some other things that can happen, um, you know, don't, you know, if, if you're drinking 10 drinks a night, let's try to, you know, maybe uh, alternate with that, right? Like that could be a harm reduction for drinkers. You know, you could be doing one beer, one water, one beer, one water. And, you know, through the night, that could add up um, to, you know, you've gone from 10 drinks to five. And that, again, is reducing your harm, right? Um, You know, some people don't even think about things when they're drinking. They just go out to a party and they take a cup. I mean, I know I used to do this. I would take a cup. You fill it up. You keep filling it up. Sometimes you don't let it get to the bottom, you know, maybe be more intentional about your drinks and say, you know, I have had three drinks tonight. 
I've had four, whatever it is, at least you know what you're drinking, right? Start to understand what you're putting in your body. Um, you know, it could be, you know, harm reduction. And I know this sounds crazy to people who are older <clears throat> in the in the recovery world, but it could be a matter of like saying, I'm only going to drink on the weekends for now, okay? For somebody who, like myself who drank just about every night of the week, and I would stay up late and drink, you know, if you can do that and just say at a, at a point, hey, I'm going to reduce to just the weekends, that could go somewhere else. Um, you know, don't mix your drinks with other, uh, you know, drugs. That could be a step. Um, you know, make sure that you're also eating and taking care of yourself throughout this process. You know, there there's ways to reduce the harm of alcohol consumption. And, you know, for me, as I started to think about harm reduction, alcohol was the hardest one. Because to me, when I talked about harm reduction in my head, it was challenging everything I thought about my recovery, my sobriety. But I wasn't thinking about somebody who was really struggling and we needed to get them somewhere else. Um, you know, harm reduction in other worlds can look completely different, right? If we go into the drug world, you know, we might be saying, you know, somebody who was using, let's just say heroin, cocaine, and alcohol, their harm reduction might look like them just drinking alcohol. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking, that's not great. They're still drinking. But they've also stopped doing cocaine. They're not taking heroin from time to time. You know, they're living a much different life than they were before they, you know, just went to alcohol. Um, you know, we've all heard the term uh, popular, popularized, popularized by um, Demi Lovato a couple uh, years ago, maybe. You know, she has had a long, very public battle with drugs and alcohol, and she uh, put it out there that she's California sober. And at first I thought, that is dangerous, um, but that again was me in my own head thinking about my my definition of recovery for myself. But for her, you know, using marijuana it has alleviated the need to do these other types of drugs and and drinking. And for her, that is reducing her harm, right? I would rather see her doing that than possibly ODing on heroin or pills. And, um, you know, this is a challenge for a lot of people in, in our world of recovery. Um, it's not going to float with everybody. There are some people, you know, early on in my recovery, if you were using an SSRI, you know, Lexapro, or, you know, let, let's say that you were using Xanax, and you went to an AA meeting and said that, and even if they were prescribed by a doctor, you are not sober to that person. Um, you know, taking a step further, we have states now with doctors prescribing medical marijuana. That's a hard challenge. I mean, I've come up against it um, with people I've helped, and I don't know how to reconcile that. Um, but I think it's something that we need to go down that road on a little bit more in our heads and think about. And for somebody who's sober curious, I think harm reduction is an amazing first step into this, right? Again, count your drinks. Maybe look at your what days you're drinking, when you're not drinking. How do you feel? Um, do you feel better? 
Are you able to wake up a little bit more clear-headed? And then you're starting to have this discussion in yourself about what's good, what's bad. Um, you know, and that's where some real discovery can happen. I, I, you know, I'm turning on this one. Um, and then the other one that I think is really important, um, and, and sometimes gets kind of squashed early on is the medical assistance, you know, through, through recovery. You know, if your doctor is going to prescribe you something to help you not drink, um, I don't want you to think of that as a crutch or cheating. I want you to think of that as a tool to get to somewhere better, right? Like it is, it is alleviating that physical desire so that you can start to work on the background stuff. Um, it, the way that I look at that, it's kind of like, um, for me, when uh, a couple years ago I went on an SSRI, I was in the midst of a bunch of stuff. My dad had just had a brain aneurysm. I was definitely sort of in a weird state mentally, and I couldn't quite get out of my own way. Um, every day was a little bit of a challenge. I, I wasn't feeling the need to drink, but I de definitely wasn't right. And I think that, you know, that SSRI helped me sort of dial in my therapy a little bit. I was able to think a little bit more clearly. And that's how I see these, these drugs where, you know, a doctor might prescribe it. If you're having a hard time getting off drinking, it gives you that ability to take a minute and really focus on your recovery and those underlying issues. <clears throat> you know, you can be a little bit more, um, you know, present in your in your meetings and, and present with your friends and family so you know I don't want anybody to think about these harm reduction things as you know cheating or less than because they're not you are on a path to a better life right it's it's sort of how we we have new language around you know a relapse right um, in the past some people would say I've lost all my time to me that's nonsense you know, you didn't lose all that time. If I if I had a drink today, I wouldn't be starting at day one. I'd be starting with 10 years of knowledge about what life was. Um, and that's there. Yes, it, it's unfortunate that we might have had a misstep, that we might have, you know, had a drink or had a moment of weakness. But that doesn't change who we are and, and all of this capital that we've built up in our recovery. So I want people to start to rethink language around this uh, world a little bit and understand that the, the, the idea here is to start to build a better life, a total life, right? It's not just a recovery life. It's everything. It's your, um, your health, your mental well-being, you know, how you're sleeping. How are your relationships with your friends? Are you having fun in your life? Are you treating yourself kind, right? Are you a good parent are you a good sister brother whatever it is you know are you showing up as your best person to work and you know if we can just have this recovery as part of an overall person i think that's when this works the best right i i try not to look at myself as a person in recovery anymore i try to look at myself as a person and am i doing all the things that i can to be a good person in the world and some days i fail miserably some days I do better. And, you know, I think if we're all sort of going on that path, we're in a better place. 
um, you know, the other day I was teaching my kid how to change a watch battery. Um, he's 11. He has no need to change a watch battery, right? And we live in a pretty disposable society where some people would just throw away the watch. But um, I think it's important to learn how to do different things because at the end of the day, you want to be a good person. And I want to put good people into the world, right? That's my my challenge as a father is to put two good people into the world. Um, and part of that is having skills. It's, you know, being able to change a watch battery. It's knowing how to jump a car. It's knowing how to cut a piece of wood and maybe help somebody build a, you know, a deck one day or pour a patio. And, and we do all those things. Um, not because, you know, we want our kids to be watchmakers or we want our kids to be carpenters or masons, but because we want them to be good, well-rounded people. And I think the same kind of stands for recovery, at least in my mind. Um, I might be an outsider on this. I might be a little bit different. Um, I am definitely not a staunch, you know, AA type of recovery person. I'm not a smart person. I'm just somebody who thinks, you know, a good, solid foundation in this recovery world for people who have a real challenge with substances is going to help you be a better person, right? It's part of a better, a bigger um, puzzle. And um, so that's my thoughts on harm reduction. Again, if you got questions, always reach out. Um, I'm on Instagram and most of you follow me. I'm, I'm always willing to have a conversation here where I might be off base here where you know, maybe you have a question and have been struggling. Maybe I could point you to some other literature. But that's that's the harm reduction portion. Um, the other thing that's really been kind of eating at me, um, and just in general, is... Uh, well, we'll get to that one next. Let's talk about community. And this one, I guess, eats at me a little bit too. And, and maybe I feel it um, kind of around the sports world, and I'm going to have a guest on next week who I'm going to dive in a little bit more to youth sports in general and kind of where we are in the U.S. and um, kind of his thoughts as a, as a ex-collegiate player and current coach. But, um, you know, I think community, again, to me, is one of the biggest parts of my recovery. Um, you know, when my community is strong, it is when I feel the best. It's it's weird because I also will sit around my house and say I don't like people, um, <clears throat> which is kind of a joke. But um, you know, I I I struggle with it. You know, <clears throat> excuse me. I enjoy being around folks. I know the value of it. And yet sometimes I get completely frustrated by the larger group I'm around. And I think that speaks to, you know, are you in your right, or for me, am I in my right community at the time? Um, I've had some great experiences in certain groups. And there'll be other times when I'm in a group and I feel completely uncomfortable and as if I want to jump out of my skin, right? There's something wrong with where I'm at. And I think starting to listen to myself and understand that I'm in the wrong spot is super important. Um, you know, some places that we find community right now uh, tend to be uh, youth sports, and that's a big one for us and our family. Both of our boys play. Um, we have multiple different communities within that, right? I have sort of the high school sports community. I've had 
um, travel soccer community. I've had different travel soccer community. I've had baseball. Um, and some of those groups feel much better to me than others. And, you know, a lot of it is, I think, the intentions of the people that are there um, for their kids. I think some of it is just the people. You know, you're not going to drive with every parent or every person in a group. Um, and it's it's a trick, right? We're all sort of paying to be there. Um, so there's a, there's a financial uh, motivator. Um, for some parents, the, the motivator is even a bigger financial motivator, right? They want their kid to go get a scholarship. So there's this intensity around it. Um, so the, the, I guess that community can be a little bit weird. Um, another community that we, a lot of us find right now is, um, school, right? Where, where if you have children, um, you're lucky enough to have children, you are, you know, surrounded by other parents and they are, um, going to events, music concerts, field days, back to school nights and, and you start to meet those people. Right. And I think that that's a little less of a, um, you know, an inv- I don't want to say less of investment. You're obviously all invested in your children, but I, there's no money there. So the, all of a sudden those relationships feel even better to me. Um, you know, those feel more, more authentic. I can find the, the people that I drive with, we kind of see each other, we talk, we have nice little conversations, you know, we might say, hey, we wish this was going on, that was going on, but it's a, it's a more sort of smoothed out environment and one that I, I enjoy being part of. Um, we volunteer at our school's PTO. Um, we try to be at all the events. I think it's important. Um, you're, you know, you're showing sort of your children that it's important to be invested in your community. You want change to happen. You want things to happen. You have to be there. And for me, there's something that is, is service related there, but it's also the idea that, um, you know, I'm invested in, in my kid and I am putting myself around other people who are invested in their kids. And I think that that is the relationship dynamic that I'm looking for out of that. Um, we also go to classes, right? Classes that we pay for fitness classes, yoga classes. A lot of people are doing soul cycle or, you know, uh, orange theory. Um, some people are paying to be in pickleball leagues now or any of these types of things where you're paying to be part of a larger group. And then that group becomes your, um, sort of, I want to say like a, a church, um, you know, it's almost taken place of church for people. And I, I, I don't know where I stand on this one anymore. I think they're great. I, I've, enjoyed my time when I was going to fitness classes. If I drop in at a yoga class, I feel great. Um, obviously if I drop in, there's no community there. Um, but again, it's, it can be very transient, right? You might have a member that is there for a month, two months, three months, and then they're gone and there's no sort of real connection, right? The only connection was that you both showed up at class on Monday at six o'clock and you did your workout and that was it. And you might know that they have a wife, a kid and a dog. But beyond that, um, 
it didn't go much further. But for that hour, you are invested in the same thing with one person, and there is something that comes out of that. Um, again, do relationships get stronger? Of course they do. You know, I know people who are, you know, lifelong friends with people that they met at a gym. I'm not saying that it can't happen. But again, I think that idea of going to a place together for some time, um, you know, is is sort of a need, a human need for people. And we're scratching that itch um, by dropping hundreds of dollars a month on something. Um, you know, can we find that elsewhere? I think we can. I, I, I really do. I think we can find that community and start to feel that sort of in, in involvement, that belonging, you know, through other ways. Um, there's so many things out there, right? You can be, again, I know it's not for everybody. It's not for me. Um, but I do think about it a lot. It's church, right? Everybody used to go to church. There's a swath of people that still do, right? There's religious people all over the world, and they have a community. They have a built-in community. They have friends. They have people they can count on. They show up at the same place once, multiple times a week. I am not a religious person, so I don't know. Um, but there are some bonds that are made in those buildings, in those synagogues, mosques, you know, um, Buddhist temples that are so strong that they are unbreakable. And um, I don't, I'm not going to say that they're right, they're wrong, but their community is strong. I've seen it. I've been part of, you know, um, you know, like funerals for friends at different types of churches and the families that are there are there because they were friends through church. There's no, there's no other connection. And they look like some of the strongest bonds that I've ever seen. Um, and those bonds will last for years. They will transcend, you know, movement across the country. And it is amazing. Um, you know, not for you. I get it. It's not for me right now, but it is something that definitely it, it pings around my head. Um, who knows one day, maybe, but it is a tool that's out there. It's free. And I don't want people to discount it. Right. Because if you don't have kids, you don't want to pay for sports, uh, you know, for yourself or a class, that, that's an option. Um, some other free options, just get involved in your neighborhood, you know, get involved in your town. I used to go to town meetings and there was a group of uh, people that would show up to every town meeting and they seemed to be good buddies. Um, you know, they were at everything and they cared about the town. They had a common interest. They had a common goal. Um, they were there for each other. They stood up for each other. And I think that that's interesting to me. Um, you know, you are now not only helping something, but you have a, a group of people and they would get together, I believe after, you know, they would talk, they'd call each other, um, you know it's a big deal and it that probably gets closer to that old type of community that you would have in a village you know way back when when your circle of people was probably what 50 people tops and you knew everybody and you knew everybody's business and you were all trying to make sure that your village was you know sustaining um and those are the people that keep things running 
um, you know, in a lot of towns, you might have five, ten of them that show up to these meetings, but they're the ones that keep your stuff going. And, you know, if you are online right now and complaining about, you know, the political environment or, you know, your local school or even your state government and you feel like you're not being heard, go to a town meeting, sit in there, make your voice heard. You got a problem, go and do something. And I could tell you from personal experience that you will feel better. Um, you'll also understand how difficult it is to move the needle in our world. Um, you know, for all the keyboard warriors out there who are complaining today about, you know, there's plenty to complain about. And, um, you know, I know there's been a couple Supreme Court rulings that have really gotten under people's skin. You know, that's the, the far end of the spectrum. But, you know, in in your local community, there are things that you probably are annoyed by, you know, be it a new building that's going up or, you know, they're changing the bus routes in your school or maybe there's some school reorganization or the garbage schedule changed and you're just on, you know, Facebook groups or your neighborhood app, you know, typing out your anger. Go and do something about it. You'll feel better. Your voice was actually heard and you'll start to feel more, um, you know, part of the community, part of this group that's sitting in the back of the room, you know, you'll make some friends and, you know, you'll think more about what difference you can make in the world. Again, you're giving your life purpose. You have a community. You're part of your larger community. You know, some other ones that I think are good for people in recovery, some other groups, some other communities, and we'll just go through them super quick. Obviously, all the all the recovery groups, AA, NA, SMART, um, refuge recovery, noble steps. There's a ton out there. Go if you are sober curious, if you're in recovery and struggling, if you just don't know what to do next, those are all great stops. You know, you're gonna find somebody to talk to, somebody who can relate to you, somebody who might have an idea, and it's free, you know. Um, yeah, you might give a dollar in a basket, but you know, you're probably going to eat more cookies than a dollar's worth of cookies and you're going to get free coffee and you're going to get a great sense of belonging for an hour. Um, again, in person online, obviously you can't get the cookies and coffee online, but you'll get the uh, community and a little bit of knowledge. Um, online groups, there's a ton of online groups that you can join outside of the traditional stuff, you know, there are uh, pay-to-play kind of online groups. I That could probably be a whole episode, but you can also just find sober TikTok, sober Instagram. Um, on Facebook, there's free groups. Um, you know, I'm, I think Reddit probably has a bunch of subreddits for, you know, recovery, sober curious. You know, search it out and you will find it. Um, while the internet has tons of awful things about it. Uh, this is one that I tend to find a lot of positive around. And I would just encourage anybody looking for community to go there. You will find your people. You can find a very individualized group of people. You could probably find sober curious people who love cats. If that's who you are, and that's what you need, you will find it. 
um, you will find four people and you could start your own, you know, Facebook group around that. Um, local book groups, uh, local hiking clubs, local adventure clubs, there's stuff everywhere. You need to be looking to find your community because without a community, you know, recovery and, and life in general is hard. Okay. It just, it just is, um, you know, sometimes I wish I lived on an island alone, but I know that realistically that's not possible and I need the people around me. Um, I've been lucky enough to really come across some great people. I'm getting wiser in my old age as, as, uh, 46 approaches. We're in, in my birthday month now, I'll be 46 at the end of the month. I'm also starting to understand who's good for me and who's not. It's taken a long time. Um, but there's people who are helpful and can make me feel like shit. And there's people who are helpful and make me feel good. And I think knowing the difference is super important. So just be careful as you go out and you find your community because you want to surround yourself with with the latter, those people who are helpful, who have your best interests and don't have judgment over you and are going to boost you up um, because you can find people who will help you and, you know, they they have ulterior motives. So just be careful. Um, and the next one, and we'll go into it, just uh, off the right off of that one because I got no conclusion. Um, is curiosity. Uh, I think curiosity is a great attribute to have. Um, there was the quote in uh, Ted Lasso. Um, what is it? Like, uh, forget what it was. This is, uh, something about being curious. Uh, be curious, not judgmental. Be curious, not judgmental. Um, I think that that's an important line. And for anybody that didn't watch Ted Lasso, I don't want to ruin where that comes, but it's a great quote um, regardless, and I didn't spoil anything. Um, but I, I've i found over the past couple years, I think we've, we've definitely slid more towards judgmental than curiosity. And we can see it in our discourse online. We can see it in our news. We can see it in our kids. Um, we can see it in each other. Um, we're fragmented. We are uh, moving away from that sense of community, or those communities are becoming more um, insular, right, siloed. Um, we are living in echo chambers where if we have an idea and we have something that we believe in that we feel so strong about, we can set ourselves up to only hear information and read information that supports that belief, um, which makes us even more emboldened in that belief. And then we think of everybody else as wrong. Um, we don't want to have a conversation. There's no room for that curiosity. And it's more and more and more. And it's starting to really make me... Um, worried about where we're going. Um, you know, I think this probably started pre, 
I know people will point to the election of 2016. I think it started before that, um, somewhere probably around the time of, you know, if we wanted to go all the way back, it's probably the 24-hour news cycle, you know, C-SPAN, um, you know, Newt Gingrich getting on and, you know, getting the camera and, and really kind of, you know, starting to be that voice that we heard all the time. And then it kind of tumbled out of that. And then we had fragmentation in the news, right? We had, we started to have this left-leaning news, this right-leaning news. And then, you know, the inflection point probably was when we all got devices in our hands that could, you know, let us see what we wanted to see daily at any minute in time to make ourselves feel a little bit better. Um, you know, if you are somebody who wanted to let's say, hear about, you know, how good it was to be on the pro-life side of, of uh, um, the, the argument. You could set your life up in a way at some point where your iPhone or smartphone would just show you that news and you were emboldened in your, your stance. Um, on the same front, if you were pro-choice, you could do that. And I think that, you know, these arguments started to become very hard to discuss in any bit of gray space um, once this this uh, tool of the online became um, you know on there you know and it's strange because all the information in the world exists on the internet and it it seems the place that you know curiosity should be running rampant yet it's not we we tend to go to the same sources we tend to search terms that will fit whatever we want to hear. Um, we don't just type in, you know, let's just say we're talking pro-life or pro-choice, which is a huge hot-button issue, and I'm not even going to dive into it, but we can just type in, you know, we could type in abortion facts, right? And depending on, I believe right now, too, depending on how you've been leaning um, your search results are going to be completely different than somebody else. And that is a very strange world to live in. Um, because, again, that curiosity is gone. Um, you know, curiosity, imagination, some of the tools that have led us to some of the greatest discoveries are just going by the wayside um, because of our ability to just have a phone in our pocket. No downtime no real research, right? Um, tell a kid to do research right now. They're going to go to Wikipedia. Uh, they're not going to go pull out books in a library and sit with 30 books around them that have, you know, various viewpoints. And they're not going to read and see the difference between, you know, somebody who's on the wrong side of the argument from them and somebody who's on the, quote, right side of the argument with them. Um, they are just going to get whatever you know, their online sources are giving them. And it further sort of bolsters their, their viewpoint. Um, you know, I have some people, I live in a, um, <clears throat> I live in a red county in New Jersey. We're blue state, red county. I myself am not a red leaning person. I'm not, I'm not right politically. Um, I definitely, there's days where I do not feel at home in, in my area. Um, you know, but I think living here, I, I start to question things a little bit. I've taken, you know, I could kind of double down on who I am um, and be very, um, 
you know, out there. And and maybe I am. I mean, I listen, I will wear a Bernie Sanders shirt to the Walmart locally here, and I'm sure it rubs people the wrong way. I wore a Yankees hat when I lived in Boston. Um, you know, so it's not it's not odd for me, but you know, I also try to understand where some of these people I live around are coming from. Why are they so invested in, you know, the the right side of the political spectrum? Why does the woman down the street from me have, you know, a huge cardboard cutout of Trump and these flags about stolen election? And she goes out there every day and she puts them out there. Her dedication to this side of the argument is so strong. You know, she has to feel some conviction. Why? What is wrong in her life? What is different in her life that, you know, we live... I think as the crow flies, probably two miles apart from each other, yet we have completely different lives and completely different worldviews, right? Um, something is, something's different. Something's, you know, something is making her feel that way. And I can either be judgmental and say, you know, she's an ass. And, you know, the only reason I think she's an ass is because she puts this stupid cardboard cutout next to the road and it looks like somebody's about to cross it, like a major highway. It's going to cause an accident, you know? I think she's crazy for, for for going out there every day and putting up different flags. But I'm also curious as to why she feels this way. Like, what is going on in there? Like, what what's happening? And, you know, for me, what that's kind of opened up is I've started to question a little bit about maybe the Democratic National Committee and, and how they are sort of navigating elections, right? I, I kind of had that curiosity um, <clears throat> during the cycle when the last cycle and, and now even more so, right. I'm super concerned about how they're running the election. So that person kind of made me look a different direction. And, and I think that's important. And, you know, I, I get very worried when I see certain things. Um, you know, I try to listen to multiple viewpoints. I try not to listen to, um, you know, my, my wife will get mad. Sometimes I'll put on Fox news in the middle of the night. Um, I'm interested to see what, you know, somebody like Laura Ingram is saying, um, just as I'm interested in Joe Scarborough because, and I don't like Joe Scarborough. That's not to say that I like either of those people. Um, I think both of them are horrendous for what's going on, but I think it's interesting to hear what both are saying, because if you turn on both, you'll get completely different viewpoints and if you're a curious person you you will start to ask yourself what the heck is going on here um and i and i think the reason this came up for me um recently is i um i started to listen to uh, well i think it, it actually came up i was looking at the feed of armchair expert i'm a big armchair expert fan um dax shepherd's podcast been listening from the start. I think he's done a great job interviewing celebrities, you know, experts. They have a couple offshoots now. I don't listen to those, but I try to listen to the Monday and Thursday episodes. And, um, you know, he kind of, it to me, it's a recovery podcast without being blatantly a recovery podcast. That being said, the other day I was looking at their Instagram feed and they had a um, they were putting out the episode with Megan Phelps Roper. Um, Megan Phelps Roper is a, um, she was a member of the Westboro Baptist Church, 
awful group. Um, they would protest, uh, you know, funerals of American soldiers, of gay people who had died of AIDS. Very inflammatory group. Very small group, I found out, listening to the podcast. Um, <clears throat> but inflammatory, nonetheless, had some very awful websites. And you can all go search that up. I don't really need to get into that. But um, before I even listened to it, and almost like instantaneously when it came out, this post, um, there were people on on that Instagram feed, on, on the Armchair Ex- Expert Instagram feed, you know, saying, I can't believe that you would give a voice to Megan Phelps Roper or J.K. Rowling, because that's, that's what this podcast was really about, was, um, you know, Megan Phelps Roper produced a podcast on uh, J.K. Rowling, The Witch Trials of J.K. Rowling is what it's called. Um, and there were people on there like, I can't believe that you would do this and this is going to harm trans people. And, you know, um, and, and that's what got me interested. How this podcast, how Dak Shepard's podcast and this podcast about J.K. Rowling was going to put trans people in harm's way. Um, I knew a little bit about the J.K. Rowling story. Um, to be honest, I didn't follow it much. It wasn't really on my radar. I kind of knew it from a from an arm's length. And, um, you know, but I did not like the discourse I was seeing on these threads. Um it just didn't strike me as as truthful. It struck me as sort of a reaction to a headline, a reaction to a name, um, you know, that nobody could have ingested that material that quickly and come up with this very, very strong opinion that, you know, this was dangerous. Um, you know, there's dangerous stuff out there. This did not strike me as dangerous. It struck me as, you know, I was going to get to hear you know, somebody who, well, you know, after listening to both, you know, one on the armchair expert, I got to listen to Megan Phelps Roper talk a little bit about how she changed, how she came out of being part of this Westboro Baptist Church, um, which was her whole life. She was born into it. Her mom was one of the leaders. Her grandfather was the founder. Hate group, for sure. And now this woman has changed her whole life, and she's not part of that church. She had to leave her community behind. She has gotten a lot of backlash, but she also understands that her viewpoints were wrong. She listened to other people. She heard what other people were saying. She became curious, and she understood that her ways were wrong. Um, you know, and, and it was in that space of, of being able to hear the other side that she was able to change. Um, we've heard these stories about people in the KKK. Um, you know, they they understand what they're doing is wrong. They come out of it. Um, they find a new life. Uh, you know, we, we hear these stories. And it's not, you know, it's definitely not people who are, are dug in and, and not living this dogmatic <clears throat> view of, of what they are. And... You know, I think Megan Phelps Roper is great. And and that Armchair Expert uh, episode, go listen to it. Um, And I I really... So part of that was then going and listening to the witch trials of J.K. Rowling. And what I found interesting there was that... And, and, you know, again, I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. I, I think it's a great story. I enjoy all of... It, I will watch a Harry Potter movie anytime it's on TV. 
Um, she, J.K. Rowling, did something amazing in writing those books. Um, they are great books. They touched so many lives. And, um, you know, I listened to this podcast with a very open mind. I didn't go into it with any idea of what it was about. And it was super interesting. Um, yes, it touched on her comments on trans people. Um, and I don't know how much I want to talk about any of that other than uh, what I'll say down the road. But, you know, it started out talking about the backlash that she faced uh, sort of off the front of the books from the religious right, which I didn't even realize was going on. Um, you know, banning her books because they were supporting witchcraft and the occult. And, you know, um, I guess it's still one of the most banned book series of all time, Harry Potter. Um, you know, I read Harry Potter books. Never once did I feel like I could actually become a witch or a wizard um, through those books. I wasn't learning spells or anything of the sort. I just was kind of brought into this magical fantasy world. I, I've read far more sort of damning books throughout um, my time, but the right, when they first came out, uh, definitely, you know, were dragging her through uh, the, the, the trials, um, you know, and again, the witch trials of J.K. Rowling. She went through them at the start from one side. And then down the road, she, um, you know, J.K. Rowling, there were good interviews in there. And, um, you know, there was a great bit of backstory about the internet and the culture of the internet and where some of the terminology that we're all using today comes from. And I implore you to listen to it. If you are somebody who's using, you know, terminology that you don't know where it came from, um, you know, they talk a little bit about cultural appropriation, some of the gender terms we use, right now. Um, it was very interesting to me how that all came about, uh, this cancel culture thing, why we were canceling certain celebrities, who was driving this. Um, again, be curious, go listen to this podcast. I'm not going to tell you about it. It is interesting. Um, if you feel like you're out there and you are sort of beating the drum of, of the, you know, quote unquote, right side of this argument, go hear who, who kind of set up some of these, um, you know, ideas for you, um, because I was shocked. And, uh, but anyway, um, you know, JK Rowling was a feminist, is a feminist. She had a rough, uh, go of things. She came from nothing. She, um, definitely was an abuse survivor. And because of her background, her life, the way her story was shaped, she was a feminist and is a feminist. And that led her to certain viewpoints that clashed with uh, the viewpoints at some point of the LGBT community. I'm guessing I left out some of that, and I'm sorry for that, but um, I don't know the full breadth of letters, and that's not to offend anybody. But, um, you know, J.K. Rowling um, put out a tweet, and it offended the that world. And they came out her hard. They came out her hard, fast, um, there was no nuance in, in anything. There was no open conversation. There was a lot of death threats. There was violence. There was a lot of very vulgar, um, sexualized comments. Um, and nothing uh, but, you know, backlash against this person. 
her support was was almost none, right? The only people that stood by her, I think, were her publisher. And shocking enough, the people on the right who years before had dragged her for a cult. Um, you know, so that was an interesting part of it. I also, for me personally, um, I've been interested in, in the world of uh, transitioning. Um, you know, what what's going on right now in that world? Um, you know, I, a couple of weeks ago, I had started to look up some stats around people transitioning and, you know, where we are in the U.S. versus the world, where we are now versus a couple of years ago. You know, I started to think about what's driving some of this, you know, and I, you know, just looking at the data, I was a little bit um, confused. I couldn't make heads or tails of what was going on. And I, I wanted to try to find more out. And shocking enough, this podcast about J.K. Rowling let me understand it a little bit because there's an episode where um, Megan Phelps Roper talks to two people who had transitioned. Um, one was a little bit older and one was a um, 17-year-old. And just hearing their stories, I kind of understood a little bit more about the process, the like what was going through that person's mind, the struggle that they were having internally um, with their gender. And, you know, it's something that I don't know that I would have been um, exposed to had I not been curious to hear this. And, you know, for me, it was good. You know, I didn't come out of that podcast with any thought that one side was correct and one side was wrong. I got a lot of information. I got a lot to think about. And that to me is, is as good as it gets. When you can come out of, you know, taking something in, a movie, a book, a podcast, <clears throat> a song, and it makes you sit down and say like, wow, what's going on? What am I supposed to take out of that? And you can think and start to form your own, you know, opinions. And then maybe it makes you go and, and search out more. I think that's a great, great bit of media. And that's what this was to me. Um, you know, and then I think back to those comments I saw on the armchair expert feed of like, I can't believe you would platform these people. I can't believe you would platform this podcast. It makes me sad. And I honestly feel like I have a few people, not a few. I, I, I could say that there's a, a group of people in my life on both sides that, that sort of are that way that only want to hear what affirms their thoughts, that would never listen to this podcast, right? Um, you know, that would never listen to RFK on, on Joe Rogan because he's an anti-vaxxer, right? Never want to hear anything. Never actually make an own, their own opinion, but just take the soundbite. Just take the headline and run with it. And uh, I think we just need to do better. Um, I think we need to step back from the sound bites step back from the headlines, step back from our silos, step back from the echo chamber, and you're going to feel better. You know, this kind of um, digging in can be really detrimental to your your mental health. It can be really detrimental to your recovery. If you are in recovery, I think the more you can open your mind up, the better you're going to be. Um, you're going to be able to sort of not get so angry 
you're going to not be so much, you know, you're not going to be full of anxiety. You're going to have more tools, right? If you only have one side of the argument, your toolbox is, is, is half full. And I just, I feel like it's a dangerous area to be if you're living in judgment and not in curiosity. So I, I challenge people to go out there and be uncomfortable reading about why somebody might want to go to church. Um, go out and read why somebody's pro-life or pro-choice or why they think that it's okay to have gender-affirming surgery at, at, at a young age or why they think, you know, drag book shows are good or bad or, you know, whatever the case is, you know. Um, again, this doesn't, I'm not saying that I'm for or against anything, you know. My my politics are, are pretty left-leaning and... Um, you know, but I will say that I do question things, you know, I'm not going to take everything at face value. Um, and I don't think anybody else should. Um, you know, I don't know why people think the way they do. Most of it has to do with their whole story, right? We all have a story. And um, again, it can change over time. So please be open. And so that's where I'm going to leave the curiosity part. And again, we talked a little bit about harm reduction today. We talked about community and curiosity. Um, again, just be careful about what you take in, you know, media-wise, what you're reading, what you're ingesting. It's just as important as the food or the, the illicit drugs or the alcohol that you're putting into your body. All of that stuff can make you feel bad. So be careful, please. Um, you know, be kind to yourself. And, uh, with that, I'm going to go on to my, you know, listen to and watch and, and more fun stuff, the recommendations. Um, you know, uh, I would like to say that I've been reading, but I haven't. Um, no reason other than I just haven't. Um, but I have been watching some 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 things. And, uh, you know, we restarted watching Schitt's Creek, which to me is one of the best shows on TV ever. Um, it is funny, it's well-written, and it is a heartwarming story. If you haven't watched it, please make some time to watch it. The cast is stupendous, it is funny, um, and it brings you into a world that, to me, just, you know, talks about, again, community and hope and the understanding that, you know, things are going to work out. And they do it in such a smart way that, um, you know, I, I can't say enough good things about it. Um, so Schitt's Creek is one. Um, and then the other, my wife and I started watching Homeland. I know that's an older show, but we love a good sort of government drama spy thing. I know that Jack Ryan just started on Amazon Prime yesterday, but we are going to have to wait on that because we are in the middle of Homeland and it is, it's juicy. So I am looking forward to seeing what happens there. And, um, you know, from a listening front, you know, it's hard week in and week out to give everybody new bands. So I'm going to go with a couple older ones. Um, first is Counting Crows. I saw that they were playing around me and it made me kind of pick back up some albums. Um, Counting Crows has one of the few albums that I can listen to, you know, start to finish. Their their debut album is maybe one of my top three albums of all time. I listened to the heck out of it when I was in high school and I continue to listen to it. It is just great. And, um, you know, I think their songwriting is top notch and they've managed to be a band that's 
stood the test of time and continues to be played on the radio and they still get like 10 million streams a month on Spotify. Uh, they are their force and they're on tour this summer with dashboard confessional. So if you get a chance, go see them. They are a great show. Um, the other day I heard Gary Clark Jr. on a TV show I was watching and, um, just great. He's great. And I was listening to him at, at a loud volume the other night. And I think it is just great music, talented, uh, singer, songwriter, um, guitar player, just, just really good music. If you want something that's a little bit harder and, you know, it's probably great driving music, um, windows down in the summer. So Gary Clark Jr. And then the last thing I am just going to recommend two podcasts again, um, the witch trials of JK Rowling, please be curious, please listen to it you're going to get something out of it, no matter what side of the argument you sit on um, about anything. I think the episode where they talk about internet culture and where a lot of this this language and a lot of the, the hate is coming from, from both sides, again, um, is interesting and should make all of us think a little bit about this tool and, and what we're seeing and why we're seeing it. And then the other one um, that's that was fun and I kind of blew through was Scamanda. Um, story about a woman who uh, scammed her friends. Um, so good, uh, solid, you know, kind of crime podcast, but done in, a, in an interesting way. I mean, I think you know the end of the story pretty early on, but for whatever reason, I couldn't stop listening. Um, I didn't know if like something else was coming. But it is, uh, it's a good listen. It's, I think, eight episodes in total. So, um, you know, put it on 1.2 speed and you can kind of blow through it pretty quick. But um, that's the the episode. Thank you guys for listening. Again, I, I, I know I didn't have a guest. Um, it's been a couple weeks and um, I just wanted to get something out because I think it's important to have consistency here. And I appreciate it. Um, be well. And uh, like, subscribe, review, do all the podcast stuff and uh, be kind to yourself, be kind to others. And we'll see you next week.